Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a living clean study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Living Clean. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide a commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast. This is episode 43. We're going to begin on page 148, all the way at the bottom with having children wow. But first, we want to give our introductions. Jennifer W., jump in and introduce yourself, please. Hi, my name is Jennifer and I'm an addict. My clean date is November 27th, 1992, and I attend meetings in Sacramento, California. Thanks, Jennifer. What's up, Jane? Hey, Jane A. here from the Mid-Willamette Valley area of Narcotics Anonymous in Salem, Oregon. Clean date's 12-22-79, and my home group is the Thursday noon basic tech study. Thanks, Jane. What's happening to Barb? I'm Barbara. I live in the Panhandle of Florida. My clean date is 10-4-95, and my home group is open mind. Thanks, Barbara. What's up, Casey? Hey, everybody. My name is Casey, and I'm an addict. My clean date is 9-30 of 13. I attend meetings in the Mid-Willamette Valley area. My home group is Tuesday-Thursday, West Salem Recovery. Thanks, Casey. What's happening to Eva? Hi, everybody. Eva P. here. Uh, my clean date is June 10, 2000. Um, my home group is the Do It Hard meeting here in Salem, Oregon. All right, thanks, Eva. What's up, Lee? Hey, hey Douglas. I'm Lee. I'm an addict. So grateful to be an addict. Clean date is August 27, 1987. And my home group is the Open Mind Group Hybrid on Monday night. Thank you. Thanks, Lee. What's up, Brian B.? Hey, y'all. My name is Brian B. I'm an addict. My clean date is November 18th, 2019. I attend meetings in southwestern Pennsylvania, and my home group is the Sunday morning literature meeting of NA. Hey, Brian. What's up, Paul? Hey, Douglas. I'm Paul M. Uh, my clean date, I'm an addict. My clean date is January 6th, 1995. I attend meetings in New Orleans, and tonight I will be attending meeting a meeting in Pensacola, Florida. Third tradition. Thanks. Living it up at the beach. All right, very cool. We have a couple of guests tonight. Uh, jump on in. Daryl G. What's happening, Daryl? Hey, Dougie Fresh. Daryl, I'm an addict. Uh, my clean date is October 6, 2014. I attend meetings in Cottonwood, Arizona. Um, I am in the process of moving to central Indiana, uh, Plainfield, Indiana, to be exact. Thank you. Thanks, Daryl. What's up, Lisa H? Hey, my name's Lisa. I'm an addict. My clean date is 2-25-12. I'm from the Central Western PA area of Narcotics Anonymous. My home group is Monday Night Miracles in Meadville. Thanks, Lisa. Our folks and I'm an addict. Name's Douglas. I got clean March 12, 2000 in Southwestern PA, and I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. So here we go. Episode 43, Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast. This is page 148. Having children while all the way at the bottom, and Barb's going to facilitate. Take it away, Barb. 
Thanks, Douglas. Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. We got a full house. This is cool. And we're going to start with my buddy, Lee P. Would you read a couple of paragraphs, please, Lee? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Barb. Having children while in active addiction is always hard. Generally, not even the worst parents mean to bring that, bring harm to their children. But in our addiction, we harm them by what we do and what we don't do. Some of us did our best out there, but still came up short. I thought being a good parent was buying my son fast food and toys with the money I got from stealing, said a member. In many cases, it seemed simpler for all involved if we just weren't around. We left our children, their other parent, with our relatives or in foster care while we pursued our addiction and found when we got clean that our desire to be a good parent was not enough to make parents out of us. Some of us are physically present, but emotionally absent or unpredictable. Some of us know that we have done more damage than we can repair. I apologize. Um, I was a lousy parent, one member said. There's no denying it and no way I can undo the harm. I will spend a lifetime making amends for it. We know we harmed our, our own children, but we sometimes forget about other children who were around us in our, in our addiction. We babysat when we were using or we ignored the neglect and abuse of children in the places where we used. If we cannot undo the harm, at least we can stop causing more of it. That in, that in itself makes a world of difference. The program helps us to stop doing damage and then gives us opportunities to share our experience with others through meetings, sponsorship, and the power of example. We can break the cycle in our own families and help others do better with their children as well. And Barb, I did text you back. Um, I'm not a biological parent. I'm kind of like the anti-parent and Last week, right at the end, Doug said something and I said, man, this is a really painful area for me. Um, so I'm not gonna go real deep, but, but the last paragraph, um, it, I was still in active addiction and it had to be probably 1981 or 1980, early 1982. Uh, I was on a run and I passed near my eldest sister's house totally by coincidence. And I saw her two youngest kids in diapers, like on the curb outside. No, no parent, no supervision, no nothing. She was also active in, in her addiction. <clears throat> so I took, I took her kids um, and I brought them home to my mom's house. And, you know, I mean, she was real pissed off and it was real ugly at first, but we ended up keeping them and I supported them and we got them into Catholic school. And it was a shit show at first uh, because I was using, but uh, they turned out okay. They both are parents, uh, they live in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and the rest of it is for another chapter because it has to do with, with uh, abortion and not, not having kids. So. I'm going to pass after that, after those comments. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Lee. Anybody else? Lisa? 
Hey, I'm Lisa. I'm an addict. Um, I relate to that a lot, Lee. Um, this is also like a very painful area for me um, because, you know, I was born into the disease. My mom used when she was pregnant. I was born in withdrawal. So like, you know, I, for a long time, I felt like the cards were sort of stacked against me. And, you know, I blamed her for a lot of things um, that transpired in my active addiction. And, um, you know, like because of some abuse that I had sustained in my childhood, um, cancer is a part of my story. And, um, you know, I, I'm a survivor of cervical cancer. Thank God I was able to go through that clean with Narcotics Anonymous. But um, part of that experience was being told with, you know, four or five years clean that like I would never have a family, you know, and I was like a newlywed. I was doing all of those things that like I thought were socially acceptable, right? Like people grow up, they get married, they buy houses, they have kids. And, um, you know, there was this huge part of me that wanted to break that cycle so badly. Like, I love this part about like breaking the cycles in our own families. Um, so that was like soul crushing for me. And ultimately, um, you know, that destroyed my marriage. Um, and, you know, like fast forward to the present, like um, I met my partner in Narcotics Anonymous when we both had, you know, like, I think he had like six years. I think I had eight um, somewhere in there. And, uh, you know, he has two little boys that were born when he was in active addiction. Um, you know, and it's just kind of the way that it played out for me, um, after like coming to this point of acceptance that like, I'll never be a biological parent myself. I still get to do mom things with like these two beautiful little boys. Right. And I love them. Like they're my own. I was just texting Doug before we started, like I just signed my first field trip permission form. Right. And like, it's that little stuff that like makes me so emotional. Like I made a pizza with our little dude tonight. Like my partner's at his home group and like, I'm at home doing mom stuff. And if you would have told me that like three, four years ago, I would have like not believed it. Right. And like, that's a miracle of the program for me. And like, for me, that's breaking the cycle because coming from like an abusive, addictive household, like I now have the ability to like make those boys feel like safe and wanted in ways that like I didn't relate to growing up at all. Um, and, you know, like that's a miracle of the program for me because I know like my partner shares, like it talks about like that selfish feeling of like, oh, maybe my children will be better without me. Like maybe I should just give up, walk away. Um, you know, we have one who's like mother, they have different moms. And like one of the mothers is, you know, she's, she can be a hot mess too. I don't want to take her inventory because I'm grateful for her, right? Like I can be grateful that like, even though I don't always see eye to eye with those women, they're the women that made me a mother. Um, you know, so like, I love this piece on like, I can stop doing damage. I can stop that cycle. And the program teaches me like how to give to them what was never given to me. And I think that's really beautiful. Thanks, Lisa. Eva? Hi, everybody. So um, I think I talked about it before, but, you know, I gave birth to uh, one of my children, my youngest child. I gave birth to her. I used every single day of that pregnancy. And when I gave birth to her, she was born meth affected. And, you know, um, um, because of that, I parented out of guilt for a long time. I think that's the next couple of paragraphs, but um, I just got off the phone with her right before um, the podcast. Like, I was like, hey, I got to go. I got to do this podcast. And, you know, because we're, uh, we're like, we're tight, that kid and I. And um, she was six when I got clean and she's 28. And, um, 
you know, she, uh, she had some struggles growing up and, um, and not once did she let, did she ever say it was because her mom got loaded when she was pregnant. She never used that as an excuse for learning disabilities or whatever. And, um, you know, I'm just so grateful for her. Um, but as far as breaking the cycle, you know, my grandchild though, all three of my grandchildren, none of them have seen me loaded. And um, in fact, I think they don't believe that I was ever like, you were never like that. They say, yeah, yeah, you were never like that. I don't know what like that they mean, but I guarantee that I was. And um, so like I just got, like last week I wasn't here because I took my oldest daughter who didn't speak to me for five years um, because of the relationships that we had, you know, she was the oldest. Um, I just took her to get a surgery, you know, and, um, and there was a time when she didn't talk to me. And um, because I always, I did these things, I dropped them off with my parents and then I wouldn't show up for a couple of weeks. You know, I was that parent. And um, so I guess my, um, my message in this paragraph is that even though I did these things, today I have a relationship with my children that is irreplaceable and undescribably excellent. And, um, and they don't bring up what mom did to them anymore. My oldest one used to, um, but she doesn't do that anymore. And we've come to a place of this beautiful understanding of what I was or what I did isn't who I am and who I uh, and and how I get to be a parent to them even as an as they're an adult, you know what I mean? And I still get to be their mom and go to surgeries with them or you know, do those kinds of things with them. And um, and I feel like I've had the opportunity to make up some of that time that. I physically or emotionally was absent from them. Um, and and uh, it says, you know, we can, we know that we have done more damage than we can repair. But what I have found is that all of that damage is, um, it may not be repaired, like, you know, that specific thing, but the relationship is, um, is it's a different kind of relationship than other parents have with their kids. But in some ways, it's better. We have a better understanding of who each other is. And, um, and we can love each other on a really deep level, like, because they've seen me at my very worst, and they love me anyways, you know, and, um, and that doesn't always happen. So I know how lucky and how blessed that I am to have that kind of relationship with my kids, even though I was loaded for the first quarter of their lives, so, or third, third now because they're old. I'm not, but they are. Thanks, Eva. I can always relate um, to you so much. And as I've said before, I drank till my, uh, till my son was five months. I was five months pregnant and I drank too. And I would have told you I wasn't alcoholic. Alcohol wasn't my drug of choice by any means. I hated alcohol. <laughs> I was always there, but I still didn't like it. But anyway, and I can remember when I told my son I don't know how it came up, but I told him that I drank till he was five months pregnant. I was I was honest with the doctors and I remember him saying, how could you do that? And it's like, you know, there's no explanation. It's like, 
you know, that's the disease of addiction, Nick, you know, because I wanted him more than anything. And I can remember he was in the ESC problem. He had uh, behavioral problems. And that used to kill me because I used to think. But what I did is I got help. I went to a psychologist and he told me that his brain was still forming. If it did do damage, here's how we correct it, you know, with training and discipline and parenting and got in the solution, you know, and then I've also talked about how many years later, because I was so controlling and domineering, like my mom was um, to my son, I almost ruined that relationship in recovery, you know, and one thing recovery, there is always a solution. And I don't believe anything's not repairable in recovery. You know, sometimes it takes perseverance. Sometimes we got to go many places to get the answers and the guidance. But it's always because I'm I'm slowly repairing that relationship and it's slow. You know, it's real slow. I did some damage, but it's it's so um, I'm just so it's just so awesome to be able to, you know, not get in those ruts. There's a way out. There's a way out today. So, Casey, you're up next. Thanks, Barb. Uh, you know, the sentence where it talks about we harmed not only our own children, but sometimes we forget about the other children who were around us in our addiction. And, you know, it just made me think about, um, you know, I have a 22 year old niece uh, who was like my firstborn. You know, I she was the first grandbaby of the family. And, uh, you know, I, I treated that kid like she was my own and um, in my addiction. You know, I remember uh, she was with me, taking her with me, going to my dude's house to, to, to get what I needed to feel better. I got in a car wreck with her in the car. Somebody had fallen asleep at the wheel. And, um, you know, I shit you not, my parents or my dad came, her dad came, um, checked to see if I was okay. I got back in that car with her and went to my dude's house um, and did what I needed to do. And I drug her through stuff like that all the time, you know, uh, thinking that I was a, a good aunt, you know, a, a good parent, if you will, you know, and then come along my kids and, you know, my daughter, um, she remembers my addiction very, very well. She remembers every um, abusive relationship that came along with that addiction, including her father. Um, she remembers every person who would come through our house. She remembers me being barricaded inside our house with a baseball bat because I thought somebody was coming to do something to us. I remember she, she remembers it all. Uh, my son doesn't remember it, but I got loaded until the day I delivered him. And um, he doesn't remember any of my addiction. And it, it was rough, you know, and I parented out of guilt a lot as a result of, of what I put my kids through. Um, but I will tell you that today, today, the, the relationship that I have with each one of those little human beings, you know, my niece is 22, my daughter is 19, and my son is 15. Uh, the relationship that I have today with my kids as a direct result of this program is unbreakable. You know, Eva touched on it, there is nothing stronger than the bond that I have with those three little human beings. Um, and that came along with a lot of pain, right? Like I had to walk through the steps and I had to listen to my daughter tell me some things that I had done that really affected her and that hurt her um, in my addiction. And I had to, you know, make amends to my son who didn't even, doesn't really remember my addiction. Um, so I had to walk through some pain um, to get to the relationship that I have with them today. And 
you know, today I'm, I'm traveling for work and my daughter works at the same place that I do. And as I was getting ready to pull out of our parking lot, she's like, wait, mom, wait, texting me. I want to give you a hug before you go. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's really emotional, um, and such a gift that I have and that, um, you know, neither one of my kids are getting loaded today. You know, my daughter's made it thus far to 19 and she's, you know, she's gone the opposite direction, um, that I did. Uh, but she, um, she trusts me and she comes to me for things, you know, she's, uh, walking through a pregnancy and, um, hard pregnancy. She's sick all the time, but anyways, point being the relationship that I have with my kids today and my niece, uh, it's a gift. It's a gift that I pray that I never take for granted, um, because of what I put them through and the things that I did, I didn't always feel like I was deserving of getting a second chance, but this program showed me that, that it is possible, um, through hard work. So that's all. Thanks, Casey. Daryl, you want to pick up the next two paragraphs, please? Yes. On the bottom, 149. Yep. All right. On, on the other hand, some of us want to take responsibility for more than we could possibly control. We see our children struggling and want to blame ourselves for their difficulties. We project the worst based on our own experience. It's another kind of self-centeredness to see our child not as he or she is, but as a reflection of ourselves, our parenting or our decisions. I thought my child was a little version of me, said one member. I just figured we would like the same things and want the same things and think the same way. It took a terrible fight to learn that he's his own person, but I'm grateful. Now we are getting to know each other. He's not me, but he's someone I really like. Trusting that our children have their own path and their own relationship with higher power can bring us to a new understanding of our own third step. When we get, when we get out of the way, our children come into focus as the unique human beings they are. Our recovery is a message to them and to us that, that there, is, there are such things as second chances. Often we see signs of our own disease manifesting in our children. And it's not always clear whether they are just going through a phase or they are addicts like we are. We teeter between denial of what is happening and labeling any troublesome behavior as a symptom of addiction. Our desire to spare our children, our experience can sometimes cause us to assume too quickly that we know what is best. Ensuring that our children have access to recovery might mean not pushing it on them too hard. Even for the people we love the most, this is still a program of attraction. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, 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 love, I, I love our literature. I love this book. Um, you know, I'm, we're talking about breaking the cycle and, and within our children and, um, and, and what I, these two paragraphs, man, I, I'm going through that right now. I have to, my, my son is 12 and we just had um, this long conversation about higher powers and, and 
in my higher power and what I believe in. And, you know, and I explained to him the, the, the unexplainable force that I see working in people's lives and I see working in my life. And, you know, it, it wasn't my thinking that got me into Narcotics Anonymous. It was the furthest from my thinking, you know, and, uh, and, and he, he had, he told me that he's atheist and it, it was pretty, uh, interesting, you know, I, and instead of like really reacting and, and jumping to, you know, conclusions, uh, you know, I, I sat there and got to hear his perspective and hear his, uh, um, his, yeah, his perspective on science and, and all these theories that he's learning. And I, and I was just, and, and I'm so grateful for our literature because it, it, it allows me to just let him have his own experience with life. And, um, you know, I, I love, uh, I've always said this life, L I F E, right. Learning information from experience and, um, and, and life in itself is an experience. And, uh, and he, at 12 years old, I was, you know, at, years ago I would have jumped on it and said like oh you can't think like that you know like how could there not be anything out there you know um and uh it's just it's just really you know just letting him have his his own experience and loving him through it you know and um he's got some really great points as a as a 12 year old and it's just it's so interesting to me you know and and, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of, you know, purchasing this house in Indiana, you know, selling our home in Arizona and purchasing this house in Indiana. And, and, and he's so confident and, and just, he knows he's going to make friends elsewhere and he's, he's going to move on. And he's just, and I wish I had the, the confidence that, that he has, even at this age, even at, at 32, you know, I wish I had the confidence that he has. And, um, and it, it's such a beautiful thing. And, um, you know, I, I get to, uh, what does it, what does it say? Yeah. We get to what is happening and labeling any troublesome behavior as a symptom of addiction. You know, I, he's got, I, I feel like he's got, cause he's got the, from both ends, his, his mom and his dad are addicts, you know, full on disease of addiction, you know, obsession, compulsion, acting on impulse. And, um, and he will sometimes hoard candy, you know, and, uh, and I will, I don't, and I'm like, dude, why do you stuff these candy wrappers behind your dresser? Like, get rid of the evidence, throw them in the damn trash. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna clean the trash. I'm gonna clean behind the dresser, you know? And he, it's just, it's so funny, you know, and I don't understand why, you know, and so I start labeling this troublesome behavior as, as addiction. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, he's addicted to sugar, you know, and, and thank God for sponsors, you know, and th- thank God for other people in the program. Cause I start labeling this troublesome behavior. It's in, and, you know, they're like, hey, how old is he? 12 years old I think he's just being a kid you know and it's like oh yeah you know I I can I can take a step back and and again allow him that experience and um 
and, and just talk about it too. talk about it. And, and that's the beauty of today is being able to talk openly and honestly with my child and, uh, and being able to break the cycle, you know, and I'll, and I'll end with this, you know, um, I've, since we're on the, on the, the, the topic, I've never really, I don't really share about this. I've shared about it a couple of times, but like growing up, my dad at, at five years, at five years old, he was teaching me how to go in through into doggy doors and unlock the door for him. And I'd go wait in the truck. And, um, and as I got older, you know, you guess what I, guess what I did. And so to be raising this young man in spiritual principles and, uh, he, he just, he is, he has such a beautiful love for narcotics anonymous and he's, he knows the significance in, uh, in our lives, you know, uh, because, he's been raised in narcotics anonymous and he, he, he used to think that he, he has aunts and uncles all over, you know, and, and now he, he, I mean, he walks into narcotics anonymous meetings with me and he is openly giving hugs, you know, to, to everyone. It, it's just, um, it's a beautiful thing. And he, and he knows that he's going to have, uh, he's going to have that support all over the world you know, and he knows that he doesn't even have to be an addict to have that support, you know, that, um, and, and if there comes a day, you know, I try not to future trip, but if there comes a day, the seed has already been planted. And, um, uh, thank you guys. I'm, we are breaking the cycle. Thanks, Daryl. Come on in, Douglas. Our, uh, my comments at the, at the top, this, the reflection um, of ourselves or painting our decisions instead of them and how that ties into uh, trusting our children have their own path, their own relationship with the HP is a new understanding of the third step. I mean, when I went and when I break that out is like, you know, if I'm, if I'm turning my thoughts and my actions, my will, my life to the care of, you know, not the punishment of, not the ridicule of, but to the, to that loving, to that care of, I can really take a step back and say, okay, this is okay. You know, it, it, it and that whole thing about it's not going to be okay. It, it actually it is right now in this moment. It's okay. It gives me a lot of comfort because there, there's never been another area in my life where I've where I've seen that I just do not have control anymore. I just don't. Not like when, when my boys were smaller or younger or whatever. I love that man. I love being able to control what they ate when they went to bed. You know what they wore and stuff like that. And I'll be damned, man, every season that they get older, I lose more of that control, man. I lose more of it. I lose more of it. Even as simple as when, when we moved to a new area and I, the, the boys started this middle school in the last grade of elementary school, I've always, up until then, I've always wanted my boys to wear nice, um, like khaki shorts and a collared shirt to school. And that's what I would buy them. And that's what they wore and, and, and all that stuff. Well, here in the area, everyone just wears like the basketball swishy, you know, shorts and like a, you know, in a shirt or whatever. And it was a couple of weeks, man. They were talking to me about like, we don't want to wear this. You know, we, they, they, we're the only one wearing this and stuff. And I had, I know it sounds silly, man, but it was fucking tough for me to, 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 to align that. I couldn't stop, but seeing myself wearing the squeakers, man, I never had Jordans, but I had them ones that would, when you walked across the, the, the gym, when I was their age, Lisa, you know what I'm talking about? That we they were the squeakers, man. You know, it was the 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 799 jolts at Payless, 
And I just didn't want my sons looked at as like, you know, look like that. So I thought, hey, a cup and, 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 and I was bringing my own. And that's just an example. Like I, like I, each day, man, it's like a constant exercise and allowing my sons to be, to be who they are and not who I want them to be. And I find some freedom in that whenever I'm able to say, you know, what they have a God of their understanding, you know, as much as I do, um, you know, and sometimes I'm, I'm better at it or not. And then my last comment is going to be this, um, our desire to spare children, our experience um, sometimes causes us to assume too quickly. We know what's best. I teeter on that line too, because, um, you know, I heard that a, a little while ago is like undisciplined boys become undisciplined men. And, and bro, we know what happens with undisciplined men. They get disciplined very harshly by this world and by other authoritative figures and, and, and whatnot. And that's my biggest fear, man. My, my, my son's, you know, living, um, li living out the way that I did up until I got clean and actually some seasons in recovery, quite frankly, when I live very undisciplined, it's not fun. And I don't want them to walk through that, you know, so I, so I go back and forth, um, you know, I go back and forth with that a lot. But the, the last thing I'll say with this is, is I think it was already shared. I share that sentiment. My sons are so much, so, so different and so much better at dealing with life than, than I was at their age. They, they, I, I was so scared. I just ran on fear and I would lash out. I was a constant lash out, you know, at, at their age. They're, they're like almost 15, almost 13, you know, that, that age there. And they are so, well, I was going to say confident, but I think my oldest son is a little bit past that. I think it's into, you know, he hasn't met, met a mirror that he isn't flexing in and shit like that, you know? And uh, so, but they're ready, man. They can talk. They can interact. They're, 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 they have this spirit of being safe. Honest to God is what it is, man. When I look at them boys, they have this spirit of safety. And I was scared shitless when I was their age for real. And, uh, and so that's really cool, man. I'm grateful that they're able to walk around with that spirit of just being safe. So, all right, I'll pass. Thanks, Douglas. Jennifer. Thanks, Barb. And Douglas, I think I had the same three sentences highlighted on mine, parents of teenagers. Um, you know, one of the things that I did when I first, my first, my daughter was born, my oldest, um, was I was terrified, you know, that even though her parents were addicts in recovery, that they were just going to, she was going to run off into this, you know, this addictive behavior, you know, I mean, she's a baby and I'm like worried about whether or not she's going to be an addict. And, um, she's like, you know, she's not, you know, and, um, she's a grown woman. She's 23 years old. She just left at 10 o'clock this morning. She's been here for two weeks visiting, um, and, you know, I stopped projecting myself on her um, a long time ago when I realized uh, what a solid human being she is, you know, and uh, and I take credit for a part of that, not all of it, um, but, you know, she's a really good soul and, 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 and that, that, um, that self-centeredness piece that it talks about, about projecting, I realized, you know, she moved four years ago, she moved away. And I always say she left me like, cause it's all about me, but she spread, you know, she decided to spread her wings and make some decisions um, and move, you know, to Billings, Montana. And, um, you know, I see her once a year, um, you know, it's probably the best two weeks, you know, of my life every year. And um, every year I have this meltdown where 
I, you know, she's leaving me again. And it's like this, you know, this, I make it this very traumatic event. And this is the first year. And I can't tell you exactly what it is where I realize she's a good person with a good head on her shoulders. She's a grown woman and she acts like it. She's confident. She knows what she wants out of life at 23 years old. And she's figured this out, you know, this thing called life or thus far she's figured it out. And I don't have anything to worry about. And she didn't leave me. You know what I mean? I raised, I raised a daughter, you know, that was confident enough to pack her little Nissan Sentra up four years ago and drive to Billings, Montana, um, and has made a life for herself. Like I haven't left the city that I grew up in. I live seven miles away from the hospital that I was born in, you know, and I spent a lot of my life being scared of, I can't do this and I can't do that. And here, here I have this daughter that is just you know, amazing. And, um, you know, when I, when I think about it and I go to, you know, trusting that our children have their own path, um, for me, that ties into the experiences that my children continue to have. And I have a, I have an 18 year old daughter who, um, is very confident in herself. Um, I think her famous line with me is, a. Uh, you know, don't you feel so lucky? And I've like, feel so lucky about what, that you birthed all of this. You know what I mean? She's very full of herself. And, uh, but I, I, at 18 years old, you know, I had just gotten clean. I didn't have any confidence. I did not feel any way about myself, but shame and guilt and, you know, uh, insecurity, self-loathing. Um, and so when I really look at the path that my children have taken, you know, and, and again, I, I'm going to take credit for a piece of it, but not all of it. Um, the fellowship has actually taught my children this, you know, they've grown up in Narcotics Anonymous, you know, that I, I was, you know, <clears throat> you know, six or seven years clean when, when, my, when my oldest daughter was born. And I just am amazed at the difference in growing up in an environment. And, and I think Douglas said it, that's safe, you know, that they can be transparent and honest with me and they can tell me things that they're afraid to tell me and they can talk about things that are really uncomfortable. And then they'll say, mom, we don't want to talk about this anymore. We like, you answered our question, like enough, you know, and I'm over, you know, I'm oversharing because it's like, I grew up with a, with a, nobody talked about anything that happened at home. And my mom didn't talk to me about anything about being a woman, nothing, zero there. I had to figure it all out the really wrong way. And like, I don't want that for my kids. And so, you know, and, 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 and now I have this son, you know, so I have two grown children and I have this son that I'm raising that is, you know, hoards candy. You know, I clean out more trash from behind his bed than I do. And and I used to label it the same, Daryl. I used to do the same exact thing. And I'm like, you know, he's probably addicted to sugar. I, I was, you know, drunk in a park somewhere, passed out behind a bush when I was 15, you know? So like, you want some gummy worms? I'll buy you some gummy worms. Okay. Like it's not the end of the world. I can't correlate my addiction to the fact that my kid loves to eat, you know, gummy worms, you know, in excess. And I'll take that, you know? Um, I do know that my my children's path um, has been very difficult to like not grab onto and go, don't do that. There's a bear down there, right? Like he's gonna paw you up and you know take you out. And and um, but man, every time I do the freedom that I get um, from letting them experience life on life's terms and then just being here when it goes good or bad. 
um, is a gift of Narcotics Anonymous. You know, my sponsor does that for me all the time. She'll say, I don't really think that's a good idea. You should probably do, you know, I would suggest you do X, Y, and Z. And I don't do it. And I get the outcome that she says I'm going to get. And she doesn't beat me up. She just says, all right, well, what are we going to do about it now? You know, and so that's kind of how the, how I take that with my kids. Okay, well, you know, that was a really bad decision. We're going to have to work on that. What are we going to do now? Um, and I'm so grateful for all of that. You know, um, I Narcotics Anonymous has been, you know, the best thing that's ever happened to me and, and clearly the best thing that's ever happened to my kids because their support group, you know, is bigger than anything I've ever had because my support group is their support group. So uh, with that, I'll, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Jim. We're going to go to Lisa and then Jane, I'm going to ask you to take us out on this section, please. Lisa. Hey, Lisa uh, oh my gosh, Jen, that was such a crazy share because it was like listening to so much of my own experience come out of you. My children also hoard candy wrappers. Um, it's very frequent that I find like a totally unopened Reese cup, like in the back pocket of our truck, like stuffed down in the door. So I think that's maybe just a kid thing. I don't know. Um, but my partner and I also approach, like, I love this piece about like seeing our own disease, but like also like having that program of attraction in our household, um, because we very much approach, um, parenting like sponsorship. Like we joke that we like sponsor the kids and parent the sponsees sometimes, um, you know, because we like actively apply that same process to parenting. Um, but we have this like running joke, um, that like there's, there's two of them, one's seven and one's nine. And like, for one, we, we save for college and the other we save for bail. Right. Um, because like, we're seeing a lot of those behaviors, like in the little one. Right. Um, you know, and it, we had this like crazy moment a couple months ago, like as parents together as a team where like my partner had called me at work one day, he's like, Hey, um, you know, the little one like wrote some really explicit stuff, like in a notebook at school. Um, and he like sent me a picture of what he had written. And I was shocked. Like it was stuff that like, I wouldn't even repeat out loud in like casual conversation. And he was like, I, I really hope you know what to do because like I'm lost. Right. Um, and that was kind of a validating experience for me because it was like, hey, I'm going to look to you for like whatever experience you have in this area, which is like none. Um, but I kind of jokingly told him like, hey, we're going to treat this like we're talking to the cops, right? We're going to see what he thinks he knows about what he wrote and we're going to go from there. And it turns out like we didn't have to put the cart before the horse and like, because oh, my impulse was also to overshare, right? Was to like sit him down, have the whole like birds and the bees talk because we're like we thought we had five six more years before like these questions were going to start coming up and it turns out it was just like some other like shitty little kid on the bus that had said some stuff that he was repeating that he didn't know what he was talking about he was super embarrassed but like he sat with me and like cried through it and um you know ultimately I think it was a really good like bonding experience because we were able to like use an old skill set applied to a new skill set, right? Like, let's not like give more information than what's really being asked. Um, but also like create that environment where like this wonderful little child doesn't have to feel afraid to like explore those areas of life. Um, and he's surrounded by people in recovery, right? Like everyone in our household is in recovery. Like there's another house kind of connected to our life. Like all guys over there are in recovery, um, you know, all of our chosen families in recovery and our kids hear about it all the time and they ask questions about it. And like, there's people in NA who love them just because they love us. Um, and I think ultimately like 
if the little one comes down to it, you know, like there's a seat there for him and he knows where to find it. And like, we don't have to push him through that. Um, you know, we can kind of, you know, love him wherever he's at. Um, you know, and like, sometimes my prayer is like, listen, God, like take these little terrorists from me, man. Like I can't do it anymore. Like they were yours before they were mine. And I just have to trust that. Um, you know, and like, I think it's one of our greatest fears that one of them will be an addict, but at the same time, like this program equips us with the tools and like the spiritual principles to like parent them through that. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. And, you know, just for the shared experience, man, it's nice to hear I'm not the only parent who like cleans up candy wrappers from behind the dresser. Thanks, Lisa. Jane, you want to read the rest of this section, please? Okay, I just uh, was so engrossed in what people were saying. I lost my place. Are we at many of us have lost or are we at yes, whether we or... are? Oh, good. All right. Do you want me to read the rest of that section? Okay. Yes. Many of us have lost our children in one way or another. They were taken from us or we gave them up to ensure their safety or something happened to them. For some of us, this is the deepest wound of our addiction. The loss we feel most acutely. With time and the tools of the program, we begin to heal, whether or not our relationship with them is restored. If we are fortunate to have our children with us in recovery, we may find that our process and theirs really aren't that different. Gree grew up alongside one another, said one addict. I was as much a child as they were, and I had to be a parent to us all. It's pretty embarrassing when your children <laughs> mature faster than you do. We need help, we need advice, and we need the power of example. Turning to our friends in NA, the people in our communities, and the other adults in our children's lives, we find the tools and information we need. I was a single parent, but I didn't do it alone, a member explained. When we are free to ask for help, we are able to acquire the tools we need to raise our children the way we believe is right. Whether or not we come into recovery with families, we have a tendency to build them once we get here. Some of them look like the families we are used to. We find a partner and have children or find a partner and share the children we already have. But we also put together families in other ways. We take in the children of family or friends who are not able to raise their own. We adopt or foster. We blend families in surprising patterns. I was heartbroken when I learned that one of the consequences of my addiction was being unable to have children. A sponsee was sharing her step work with me and she wondered aloud if the childless mother was here to mother the motherless child. It was as if a light went on. I looked around the rooms and there were these kids fresh off the streets who had no one and it seemed like God's will for me was clear. Some of us end up taking care of elderly or sick friends who have no families of their own. However it happens, many of us find our homes full of love and full of people we love, whether or not we are related. The ties that bind us are not limited to those we first recognize when we come together in unity. Family can be a pretty hard concept for some of us. We make peace with it one way or another, sometimes by reinventing it altogether. Oof. I almost got tongue, tongue twisted there on blending the families and the enemy. Um, boy, this has been a good one. Um, I it always reflect back on uh, what it was like and what happened. And uh, 
I was a very neglectful, very neglectful and not present parent. And uh, the children came in and uh, the part here where they, uh, the children were more uh, mature than I was. That was the truth of it. I grew up alongside of my children. There were three of them and they're all in their late forties, early fifties now. And, uh, and I was an, a pretty all right attentive grandmother, although I was still really full of self, you know, wanting to go places and do things and make up time for all the things I missed along the way kind of thing. So I certainly wasn't present as much as I could, but I am one hell of a great, great grandma. Yeah, I am the spark in the eyes. I am Gigi, number one. Woohoo! And I do a lot of good, I really love that. So I, uh, just cause I got clean did not mean my selfishness and self-centeredness went to the sidewise. I got clean and my selfishness and self-centeredness was just present on the table. And uh, I uh, continued a lot of ugly behavior uh, in recovery. It took a long time to recognize that you can't be a good parent if you spend all your time in meetings. Woohoo! you gotta be home with them to parent them. You can't parent them from a meeting that they're not in. Oh. And I did a lot of going to meetings, going to meetings, going to meetings. And uh, oh, yeah, so I always, uh, one of the things that I get envious about that I have to work on with spiritual principles is uh, people that uh, get clean and they know how to pay bills. They know how to go to work every day. <laughs> They know how to buy healthy foods and they know how to parent and they have long-term productive, healthy relationships. I have a none of the above on all of that. I uh, came in here totally selfish and self-centered and I had to learn from the ground up. And uh, I'm one hell of a good 20 year old, but I'm not quite sure how good I am at 70. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm just about 20 years behind everybody. And you know what? It uh, just means I'm above ground breathing and moving and shaking, you know, so I, uh, I'm really enjoying the great grandchildren and uh, I also have a lot of compassion for the ladies that come into the meetings and sit down and they didn't bring diapers, food or toys <laughs> and they want that kid to sit still for an hour, quiet and uh, that's the kind of behavior I did too, so and so sometimes the best helpfulness I can give them is to take that child and go outside and play with them and give them a chance to actually pay attention to what's going on. And, uh, and when the children act out, why wouldn't they, you know, if they're like my children, they never knew when I walked out the door, if I really was just going to the store and back, or they'd see me two weeks later. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for their compassion and their ability to forgive. And, uh, and carry it on. So that's enough out of me. Thanks. When you were talking, Jane, I was saying my first sponsor said she used to tell this story. She raised her grandson and he was raised better by her than her son, who I don't think ever got clean. But anyway, she took him to therapy and he did this play therapy and and um, he uh, was playing with his house and he said, OK, let's find a babysitter and go to a meeting. <laughs> know in this play therapy you know and that but you know that kid was raised in recovery and years at a very young age probably like Douglas and Jen he went to treatment for I think Sudafed he was doing or something and I saw him in a meeting so you know 
Hopefully he's clean today. Okay, Douglas. Thanks, Barvin. Hey, Jane, really, thanks for talking about that. Look, check it out. I was this this past Friday was at the meeting and 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 uh man and my and my friend Rita uh was just holding this little boy of the lady who was chairing the meeting and just rocking it, you know, do do like doing what you're talking about. And so she could chair the meeting, you know, and and, and it was just Man, and I've seen that, you know, in, in A, and then they showed up for me like that too. And it's just, it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful, man. It really is. I always, I always had, I always talked shit to myself and well and anybody else who would listen when people would bring kids to meetings. I'm like, man, what the fuck are they doing this? And until I, until I had kids, really is what it was. Until I had kids, and I was like, God damn, you know, I feel bad about doing that. But look, um, I wanted to, I wanted to say this. Look, we, we need help. We need advice. We need the power of example and then skip a line and it says we find the tools and information we need. It's the HP sets it up. The, the season of my life I've been sharing, man, to whoever I talk with, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my sons. I don't know what I'm doing, man. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm talking with Paul yesterday and it was just a spiritual, it was a beautiful couple minutes, man, talking about parenting. And I just felt, I felt like I felt right here it was, it, it was, it was the HP giving me a hug through that conversation is how I can describe it. Okay. It's exactly what I needed to hear, man. And, and to change my, my perspective on it. it's fucking beautiful, but check this out. The same thing happens in every season of my life, man. When I, when I'm like, what do I, what do I need to do here? Uh, when, when the boys, and it, when it just became me and the boys, their mom was in this detox, man, I walked in the house and she always did it. She always, you know, made the house good, man cooking, cleaning, doing all my shit, you know, and all that stuff, you know, the way it's supposed to be. I, I say the lighthearted. I know the ladies get, get a little riled out of that, but you know, look, man, I walked in and I didn't know how to do any of that shit. Really? Like I, I, I was no good at it. And that first week when it was me, me and the little dude, uh, we, we definitely ran out of food. There was no clean clothes. Their crib, their, their crib. And then the day bed smelled like piss after, after a week. You got to wash it because they leave their diapers leak and it smelled, you know, and I had no idea how to do any of that shit. And my little boy would cry for his mom in the morning and at night and before and after his naps. And there was nothing I could fucking do. And I mean, fucking nothing I could do. And, and I would just look at him. He would be in there. Mama, he would fucking all the time, man. And then I ended up on the phone with this lady. Uh, she was clean a long time and she hated men. She fucking hated men. Her husband wasn't, wasn't shit. And she raised kids. She taught me how to care for my son. She put me on this plan. Honest to God, she put me on this plan that I was going to hold him 10 or 15 minutes on my chest every single day. And then that grew. And then that grew. And then before long, man, it was like that boy was, he'd be, he'd be right here laying on my chest, taking naps and stuff like that. I didn't know what to do. The HP said, look, man, I got it. I got it and, and put me on the phone with her for, for whatever reason. I don't know, but, but, but that's it. And then it was simple shit about making a food list and doing laundry. Fuck, after a while, I could be doing the clothes, cooking, rocking these, you know, doing whatever I needed to do. I'm fucking good. I had no idea, man, how, how, how you know, no idea how, how, uh, how to do that. And then, and then you people kind of showed me but I, I share that to say, Paul, the conversation we, we had yesterday in the same context, man, that's how the HP shows up in my life. 
just is, man. And 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 I feel, and that's kind of like a living third step, isn't it? To the care of, and that's how the HP demonstrates. Look, man, I got you. You 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 give it to me, and it, it's the care of. I'll pass. I'm just gonna jump in real quick. I, I was at a, I was at a meeting one time, and uh, there was there was these kids uh, just wiling, wiling out, and um, and everybody was like, "Oh man, just oh shut these kids up," you know. Shut and and this this very strong woman in our area, she goes, "Hey, shut the fuck up. You hear that sound? You hear that sound?" That's a sound of a mother or a father getting clean. That's all I got. Bob, you muted. Thanks, Lee. Eva, you're up. I told you that before. We got four minutes. Well, I'm only going to take a couple. Um, so right here where it says, but we also put together families in other ways. Uh, we take in the children of families or um, of family or friends, unable to raise their own, or we adopt or we foster. We blend families in surprising patterns. Um, so my when I had a few years clean, I said five years clean um, when I married my husband. Um, and by that time, my kids thought that I had been clean forever and that I guess I knew something. I didn't know Jack or shit. And they would bring people, they'd be bringing their, their friends home and they're like, my mom can help you get clean. <laughs> um, my mom could tell you, take your parents to a meeting. I was like, oh shit. Um, but all that to say that there was this one kid who did end up, um, you know, his mom died of an overdose and then his dad couldn't handle that and stayed loaded. And, uh, you know, he bounced around to this aunt and this other place and this other place and the aunt just beat the crap out of him, you know? And, uh, and my son brought him home and said, my mom will take care of you. And um, so then we ended up fostering that kid, um, legally fostering. I was so shocked that they would let me foster a child. But we legally fostered that kid until he, uh, he graduated high school. Well, he left because he had to go get loaded with his dad because his dad came back around and decided that he needed to be around with his son. And he taught his son how to shoot dope. So, but you know what? I had him for four years and... Uh, and now every time this dude comes back around, this kid, he's a, he's a adult man now, he's 30. Um, every time he wants to get clean, he comes back to my house and he's like, ma, take me to a meeting. And every time I take him to a meeting and you know, sometimes it sticks and it stays for a little while, but sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I'm grateful that every time he, he knows where to come, you know what I mean? And and that he had four years, he, he still talks about how great his life was for that four years and, and how he would have never experienced what he experienced. And I would have never had the ability to do that without um, recovery, my sponsor, 
you know, and um, I'm not allowed to take any more people in, though. My sponsor told me that because I will keep taking people in. You guys, I mean, like, I want to rescue everybody, um, but I'm not allowed anymore. My kids are grown, so I can't take any more kids in either. So, but um, it changed my life, and I and I know it changed his, even if just for a little while, you know, and, and the ability to do that was is because of Narcotics Anonymous. That's all I got. Thanks, Eva, and thanks for allowing me to facilitate, and thank you for letting me be a part of all you wonderful addicts, and I love you guys to death, and that's a wrap. Hope to hear see everybody next week. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.